Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship, and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social, and economic renewal in our immediate communities, and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Uh, no one told me about Ugandan food. It's awesome. I love it. I love it. Now, whether there's parts of the menu that you've not introduced me to or not, I mean, I don't know, but it's fantastic. It really is. I haven't had any... Did I have fish since I've been here? I don't think I've had fish since I've been here. Did I have fish? Not yet. I'm on the plane tonight, brother. We better get the line in their water. Okay. It's great to see you all. It's been an absolute wonderful, wonderful time. I've been sending videos back of children singing about Mike Breen's here and the churches are all happy because of MCs and it's just been so much fun. And um, we've been greeted with dancing and singing and welcomes and cheers and whistles and hallelujahs. It's been amazing. Thank you to everyone. Thank you to all of those people that have been unseen, who have made it possible, providing food and hospitality and driving me here and there and looking after all of the team. We're so grateful. We feel so blessed, so honored. And we're going home with a full heart to share with our people. So thank you, that's you. And of course, Atmo and Pastor have become such good friends. We were good friends before, but now we just laugh and laugh and laugh. It's so much fun. We chat about different things, we talk about different stuff, and it feels to me as though the Lord has given me dear, dear friends that I'll have for the rest of my life. So I'm so grateful. Today I'm going to continue a theme that I began last week and I want to explain to you why I think it's important. Because I think there is a, a very strong destiny on this church. Of course there's a destiny on each child of God. And that destiny begins when Jesus comes to us and transforms our life so that what we were created for in the beginning is now not only captured, but is magnified and multiplied by the life of the Spirit living within us. When God first made human beings, he, he said this, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food 
and to all the beasts of the earth and to all the birds of the air and to all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it. I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So we get created on the sixth day. We are the crown of God's creation. And as the crown of his creation, there is a specific role for us. And the role is representation. Representation is the call of every human being. Every human being living in Uganda wants to see something productive from their life because the words of their creator still ring in their heart even though they don't know it. Be fruitful. Every person in this room wants to operate with confidence and commitment and courage. And the reason for that is that the words of the creator still ring in your heart. Rule. Rule. Rule not as an independent kingdom, but rule as a representative of the king. So this is the plan. This is the commitment of the living God. And in, in the New Testament, there is a word used when the New Testament was written that is difficult to convey into English and often into other languages. I'm gonna do the same thing again. I do need one of those bottles of water. That, that one's perfect. That one with the pink stuff in it, that's great. They, um, the, the word is teleos, teleos. And that word is enormously, enormously important. It's a word that I shared with you last week. And it's a word that I want to share with you this week. It's found all through the New Testament. And it means the completion of God's plan that he made in the beginning. The completion of God's plan that he made in the beginning. The completion of God's plan that he made in the beginning. It's the completion of his plan. Say to your neighbor, it's the completion of his plan. One of the, I think it's a zone, produced for me my favorite verse in the Bible. They called my daughter back in America, who's my assistant, and said, what's his favorite verse? And they said, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. They didn't have to go and check it, they just knew. Because they know the stories, and I'm gonna tell you the stories behind it in a moment. I've not told you them before. Paul, seeking to remove the thorn in his flesh, the people who we would probably call pains in our neck. Thorn in a flesh is very clear in scripture. People have speculated about the thorns in the flesh, but only speculated because they don't read the Bible. People who read the Bible don't have to speculate about what the thorn in the flesh is because the Bible tells you. God says, if you don't get rid of the Canaanites, when you go into the land, there'll be thorns in your flesh. So Paul, a man of the Bible, would not have decided to use thorn in the flesh about something else. 
thorns in the flesh were the people who were troubling him, were, were seeking to destroy his work of church planting, who were trying to disrupt the harmony of the fellowships that he had established. So he wanted them to be gone. He said, God, you know, get rid of them. And God said, no. Now, the people that were doing this were spreading a message, and the message that they were spreading was this. You should not honor Paul because God is dishonoring him. And the way that we know that God is dishonoring him is because of the things that Paul has suffered. He's been beaten with the 39 lashes five times. He's been beaten with the rods three times. He's been shipwrecked. He's been in trouble in the city, in the country. He's been threatened with his life. He's been beaten and and pilloried and pursued everywhere. This is a man who demonstrably does not have the blessing of God upon his life. That was the message. And so Paul accepts that as his message. And he says, I will boast about these things. I'm not gonna hide about them. These are the results of warfare. These are the results of the kingdom being extended. These are the necessary sufferings along the way to see the kingdom of the Savior established here on earth. And so, and so Paul asks the Lord, will you take these things away? Will you stop this negative media campaign on all of my social media platforms? I don't get many thumbs up. They seem to be all thumbs down. And the Lord says, no, the only thumbs up you need is from me. The only like that you need is from me. I like you. And he says this, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect, is completed in your weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. The initiative that I take towards you every day because I love you is enough. I'm making my initiative towards you. We think of grace simply as God's riches at Christ's expense. We, we think of it simply in terms of salvation and forgiveness. But grace is all the way through the New Testament and grace is much bigger even than the issue of forgiveness. Grace is God's initiative towards you to give you whatever you need in whatever circumstance you face. God's initiative towards you in the circumstance of being lost in sin is forgiveness. God's initiative towards you so that you can operate within the family of God is that he gives you gifts. God's initiative towards you so that you have a destiny and a purpose is that he gives you a ministry. God's grace towards you that you have a sense of being designed for a particular way of representing him is that he gives you your calling, your destiny. He says, I've created you in Christ Jesus for good works that I prepared in advance for you. All of this is the work of grace. My grace is enough for you. And my power is made perfect in weakness. The plan, the teleos, was that we represent him. 
But that power is completed not in our abilities, but in our weakness. Let me tell you a story. I know you like them. And I don't think you've heard this one. I was a young curate in the Church of England. I had um, I'd studied at um, a theological college. And then I had gone into the inner city and done youth work and whilst I was there, I did a, another thesis for the Archbishop of Canterbury. And then I went to college again because obviously you need more degrees than a thermometer to be to be a clergyman in the Church of England. And so I went to do my masters at a university called Durham and Sally was a person who managed housing complexes and we found one in Newcastle which was not too far away. And so we lived in this really cool apartment in the middle of Newcastle, it was awesome. We used to invite all our uh, student friends over and they just went, are you millionaires or something? No, we're just Christians. And they said, yeah, well, we're Christians as well and we live in a cardboard box. We were just messing with them. And um, I would drive to college every day. They made me the president of the college. And um, I've, I completed my MA and I was going to one of the most prestigious churches in the country, in London. But they couldn't find a place for us to live. And they said, well, some people are quite happy to live and then they showed us this kind of thing that looked like a wardrobe. And Sally said, I, I, we're planning to have children. I don't think we can have children in the wardrobe. And I said to Sally, what do you think? She said, it's a prestigious place, but I don't think we can go. I checked with the principal of the college. He said, I think your wife's right. So having been the first student to have a place, I was now the last student to have a place. And what happens to the students that can't find places, they put them on a list called Curate's Clearing House. It was such a blessing to me. It was the first axe laid at the root of my pride. And so, basically, we said, well, we don't know where to go, let's just go alphabetical. There's a church here in Cambridge, England. Maybe that's a place. So we went there. They had turned away 14 other candidates because the elders, very godly people, had decided they were waiting for a particular kind of person. And when they met Sally and I, they decided that we were those people. And so it was an amazing kind of connection. And within a year, the work at the church was such that they had extended into youth work all around the city. And they said to me, why don't you do that? And so I said, sure. They said, it's very, very difficult doing youth work. And I said, I'm sure it is. And so we prayed, we fasted, we wrestled, we struggled, 
we called people to join us in the team, nobody came to Christ. We gathered young people for table tennis and soccer and basketball and nobody came to Christ. And I said to the Lord, Lord, what is it? I was teetering on the brink of burnout. I was hoping that God would give me an answer. Because you see, I had now got all of the qualifications I needed. I'd got all of the training I needed. And I was good at all of the things that they trained me to do, but nothing was happening. One day, Sally took our daughter for a walk. She was still a baby in a pram. We had a silver cross pram. It looked like a great galleon. Have you seen those old English prams with the big wheels and the great huge, like it's like a bathtub on top of it. You remember them? Those, she took her out and took the dog with her and she went off for a walk. And I said, I'm gonna mow the lawn. Mowing the lawn was the meditation that I used to pray. And so I, I, I went out. Now the lawn had not been cut for a long time, which indicated I'd not been meditating on the word very much. And so the grass was about knee high. And so I took a double-handed scythe. You ever used a double-handed scythe? To cut it down, a bit like you'd use in a, in a field of barley or wheat. Just cut it down. And now the grass was about maybe six or eight inches. And I'd borrowed the church mower, which was called a hater. It had a name on it, hater. And I thought, seems a very strange name to have on a mower from a church. And I, and I began mowing. And I came across two red ants' nests. Now, in summer, they start coming out from their little ant home. And the red ants in England bite you. <laughs> Do they bite you here? I mean, they're horrible. And, um, and my daughter, Becky, who's now 38, was just beginning to walk. And I was clearing the yard so that she had a place to play. I wasn't clearing the yard so that the ants had somebody to eat. You, you get my meaning. So at this moment, my father and mother were still alive. They'd gone to be with the Lord. I was grateful to be able to lead them to Christ and baptize them before they went there. I looked at the, I looked at the ants and I thought, what would my father do? Now, I checked with him later, and what I did is exactly what he would have done. So it kind of indicates the limited gene pool that I'm drawn from. Because I decided that the thing I needed to do was to find some petrol. Now, you know what petrol is. Everywhere else in the world, I have to call it gasoline, but I call it petrol, you call it petrol. So I went to the, to, the, to the garage, not the thing that you have here on a Sunday morning, but the garage, and I, <laughs> and I, got, the, I got the can of petrol, and I sloshed it all over the ants. And I couldn't find the matches, I couldn't find them. So I went back into the house, where are the matches? I couldn't find them anywhere. 
I think there was an angel assigned by God to try to stop me from doing the thing I was going to do next because the, the matches were on top of a cupboard miles away from everywhere. Anyway, I found them. I overcame that particular strategy of the angel and I, I found the matches. Now, it's the middle of August and what I discovered was you don't have to throw the match. You don't have to throw the match. You just have to strike the match. So I went over and I struck a match and I, how would an Englishman put this? I was surrounded by the ensuing conflagration. The ants had had their private Hiroshima and there was a trail of fire back to the petrol can. And the plastic spout of the petrol can was already alight. So I'm thinking, I've made a bomb and the bomb is going to explode any minute and the headlines tomorrow in the Cambridge Post are crater found in Vicar's yard still looking for Vicar. So I thought, I've got to get the can away from the flame. I know you, you're, you're thinking to yourself, is he really that stupid? And I truly am. Because I decided the best thing to do was to try to pick up the can. So I picked up the can and for some reason it was hot. And so I dropped the can. Now, now children, if you're listening, if you want to make a flamethrower, you get a can of gas, you light, the, you light the spout, and then you eject the petrol through the spout, and it comes out as flame. So I dropped the can. The contents of the can was ejected through the spout and there were great gouts of flame coming out from the can as it span on the ground, ejecting the contents as flames all around the yard and on me. So now I'm on fire. My shoes are on fire. My jeans are on fire, my socks are on fire. And I didn't know how to get it out. What I discovered was a thing called the chimney effect. I tried to lean over and beat out the flames, but that creates a chimney effect up your trouser leg. So now my legs are burning. And I can hear the voice of the man who did the safety 
demonstrations at school. In the event of a household fire, roll around on the ground until the flames are extinguished. And I thought, that's the most unhelpful advice anybody could ever give in this. Because if I roll around, I'm going to be on fire everywhere. So I flicked off one of my shoes. It was an Adidas Samba. They're cool. They're still cool. I have them now. They're awesome. I flicked it off. And it was like one of those slow motion movies that you see from the Second World War. It kind of just flew over the fence and into the neighbor's yard where it began a small fire of its own. So, so now the flames are all around me. My trousers are on fire. My legs are on fire. One shoe is over the other side of the fence causing a fire in the next door neighbor. And I, I've run out of options. Now it shows you the depth of my spirituality that having run out of all of my options, having used all of my intelligence, limited though it was, I decided I needed to pray. And all I said was, God help me. God help me. I looked down and all the flames were out. They were all gone. And I, I just went, wow, that was close. <laughs> so I, I kind of walked back to the house and I did the thing that all Englishmen and Ugandans do in a crisis, made a cup of tea. Is it true or not? So I put the kettle on. I've got, <laughs> I've got the tea being made and Sally comes home and she says, what's that smell? And I said, I've just been burning some stuff in the backyard. She said, smells like petrol. I said, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I've, I've just done a few burning things in the yard, it's fine. Then she looked at my trousers, she said, why are your trousers black and charred? And I looked down and sure enough, I looked like a castaway on one of those kind of pirate movies, you know, with all the... And I said, well, yeah, I, some of the fire, I, it, I, I kind of got involved with some of it. And she said to me, darling, take your trousers down. I said, sweetheart, it's the kitchen. She says, you know what I mean, take your trousers down. And on my legs were folds of skin hanging off. And I thought, when I feel that, it's going to hurt. Because I couldn't feel anything. And apparently this is the thing with petrol burns, you, it, it kills all of the nerves initially, and you can't feel anything. So now we're in a total panic, I've got my trousers around my ankles. I've somehow got to get those off without pulling all this horrible stuff. It was just terrible. 
We got to the ER room, the emergency room. They looked at me. They said, "Mm, this is not good. They tried to do some work on me. The wounds went septic immediately. They admitted me to hospital. They said, you have third degree burns and we have to put you in a room by yourself so that you do not get worse. So it was an isolation room. Now, it was one of these hospitals in Cambridge that had been established during the Second World War and I think they'd forgotten that it was over. Because the senior nurse, wow. She didn't think it promoted healing to have a television in the room. She didn't think it promoted healing to have anything in the room other than a nurse that came to inflict pain on me every so often. And so I'm lying at a 45 degree angle. The nurse comes in every so often. She brings a bowl because she knows that I'm probably gonna throw up every time she does it because of the pain. And I'm lying there alone and desperate and feeling foolish and saying, if only. One of my disciples, few that I had, brought a little cassette player with the testimony of a man called John Wimber. And she sneaked it in And she said, listen to this. And I listened to his testimony. And in the midst of the pain, and in the midst of the feelings of foolishness and shame, God said to me, let me do it. Let me do it. I'd been trained, I'd been given all of the gifts and the glories of the evangelical wing of the Church of England and they were but dust in my hand because I was trying to make something happen with them. You see, God has a destiny for you God has a purpose for you and his plan for you is the plan that he has for everyone which is that you represent him, that you rule on his behalf. That means that you function with his authority and in his authority you are able to exercise his power. But authority and power cannot come unless you have identity settled before that. You have to know that you're a child. And to know that you're a child, you have to be in a position of humility. And to be in a position of humility usually requires that all of the strength that we have relied upon is released to the Lord and we operate in weakness. Weakness is the key to power. It's counterintuitive. It's one of these paradoxes of life. But listen to me. Weakness is the key to power. From that moment, revival began in my life. 
Everything that you've benefited from, all the things that you're so gracious and so, so wonderfully honoring in, all of it began in a hospital bed in Cambridge when I realized it didn't matter how smart I was, didn't matter how tall I was, didn't matter how English I was, it didn't matter what my qualifications were, unless I was weak, I could not be strong. Now, here's the question for you. Do you want his power? Do you want Christ's power to rest on you as it did with Paul? Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is it. There is a conduit from heaven to earth. Heaven has all of the necessary resources to change the world. The conduit is you. But the, but the position, the posture of the conduit has to be a posture of weakness so that the strength can flow. If we're leaning on our ability, it won't flow. If we're leaning on our intelligence, it won't flow. If we're leaning on our family name, it won't flow. If we're leaning on all of our past exploits and adventures, successes and breakthroughs, it won't flow. Every time I preach, I preach for the first time. Every time. Because I know if I'm resting on the last success, it's not gonna flow this time. Every time I write a book, I'm not resting on the last one. I'm offering my weakness for the new one. This morning we were at uh, the business garage. I had no idea what God was gonna do, but I knew that if I offered my weakness, God would offer his strength. My dear friends, God has more power for the world than the world has any knowledge of. God has more power for worship harvest than you have as yet seen. And the reason that you've seen what you've seen up to now is not your strength. It's not your capacity to give. It's not your capacity to honor. It's not your ability to distribute leadership across the movement. It's not all of the strengths. All of those have come out of your weakness because you have leaders who know that if they're going to be disciples, they have to be discipled, which means that they operate from weakness. But maybe you don't know that right now. Maybe you don't realize that the leaders are people who have presented Jesus with their weakness daily so that the power comes to you. You experience the power and you say, I want more of that. But you don't know the means by which it came to you. 
so many of you do, of course, and intuitively you've grasped it because you're imitating your leaders. But I would love for you to go beyond the intuitive to the intentional so that everyone in every generation of disciples from this place recognizes that the power flows through weakness. As you share with your disciples, pray with them to prosper, of course. Pray with them to be fruitful, of course. Pray with them that their families come together and are healed, of course. But teach them weakness. Teach them weakness so that God's power. And you know what? I genuinely believe that this movement, this revival will touch the world and it'll touch the world because it's weak people operating in Christ's power. Now, now I've not done a, a, a call previously, but I'm gonna do one today if that's all right. There are some of you, and you're listening to this and you're thinking, I'm not sure I've put all of the pieces together yet, but I know that this is a word for me. This is something that God is addressing. You felt frustration, you felt this kind of press of imminent failure, You've looked at your life and you wonder why it is that you've not seen the things that you've looked for, longed for, and that other people see. And maybe you've been envious of those other people. Or maybe this morning, I've put words to the things that you've been feeling for a long time. If that's you, then come on up here because I want to pray for you. Now, don't come if it's not you, but if it is you, then you come. Just rest in the presence of Jesus. There's so much talent, so much gifting, so much ability here. And the world will tell you, rely on that. Jesus can use all of that. He can use all of that. but he wants the posture of weakness so that he can so that he can gather that up so that he can gather that up and in gathering it up in the posture of weakness in that posture the lord can release his power lord release more of your power we pray as we come in weakness, release your anointing. Give breakthroughs today, Lord. Give breakthroughs in families. Give breakthroughs, Lord, in marriages. Give breakthroughs, Lord, in missional communities. 
give breakthroughs, Lord, in zones, locations. Lord, we ask you that in your mercy, you would receive our brokenness and our weakness. And Lord, we give you the pieces and we know that you're able to hold them together in your hand. And as you hold together the pieces in your hand, so the container of our life becomes larger because your hands are bigger than our hands, Lord, and you can hold all the pieces and you can hold them all together. And so the anointing flows to us and through us. Lord, let that be, let that be the reality for each person here. Lord, I pray that there'd be salvations and healings and deliverances that come through these people because, Lord, you're doing great things right now. Okay, we're good here. Just bring peace. Jesus, just bring peace. That's good. Just bring peace. I speak peace. I speak peace. We pray, Lord, that all of the signs and the wonders of the kingdom, the things that only come through power, we pray, Lord, that they would all be released through these people, these dear ones, Lord, as they come to offer you their weakness. It's going to be an amazing thing, Lord. What a testimony. What a testimony. Such a marvelous, marvelous community of people. Lord, thank you that you're going to do amazing things, even more amazing than what you've done. Some of you are going to see business breakthroughs just in the next few days. Some of you are going to see relationships healed just in the next few days. Some of you are going to see miraculously the debts that you have being cancelled. Lord, I pray that in our weakness, the promise that you've made to us would be made manifest. Lord, it's your promise. Your promise is that in our weakness, your strength is made perfect. And so we receive it now. We receive it now. We receive it now in Jesus' name. Just reach out and bless the person next to you. Just appropriately lay a hand on their shoulder. Bless them with the blessing that you're receiving. Lord, let the power flow even now. Let the power flow even now. Let the peace, the provision, let it all flow now. And may it be, Lord, that you raise up a great testimony to bring glory to your name. Lord, it's all your grace, and that means you get all the praise. And so we're grateful for that. So, Lord, send us out with a blessing. Send us out with your protection. Send us out, Lord, with all of your power. And we ask this in the strong name of Jesus. And everyone says, bless you. Bless you. 
Lord is going to do great things. We're expecting wonderful things. I'm going to hand over to, I presume, either Pastor Ari or Apostle Moses. Amen. Wow. Can we give a mighty clap to Jesus for his word to us? I'm going to invite us to stand up as we conclude this service. Why don't we pray? Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for your grace, which is your initiative toward us in all things that pertain to life and godliness. Thank you for your word that your strength is made perfect in our weakness and that it's not our strengths that you require but our brokenness, our weakness. So we thank you, we bless you. Thank you for those who have received different things this morning as we prayed. We bless you, thank you for healing, thank you for restoration. Thank you for advancement. Thank you for redemption and lift. Thank you, Lord. And friends, even as we conclude the service, even those who are watching online and in the different locations, this morning, if you've not given your life to Jesus, where you say, my righteousness is not enough. My goodness is not enough. There is nothing I can bring to God that is worth I just come I bring my weaknesses to him and let him do the rest I'd like to pray with you maybe an, a friend invited you to this service maybe you've been coming uh, different Sundays maybe online and you're like pastor pray for me pray with me I would like to receive Christ I would like to take his strength as I present my weakness if you're there just put your hand up so that I can pray with you just put it up straight. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands in the, in, the, in the audience. Thank you, Lord. Can you just come here where I am? I would like to pray with you. Anyone else? It's a bold thing to do, to trust God. We are all trusting God. Not our strength, but we bring our weaknesses. Welcome, my brother. Welcome, my sister. Welcome, my brother. Welcome, my sister. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome, my sister. Yes. This place is open. You just come. You want to give your life to Jesus. You're like, I, I can no longer do it on my own. I can't do it in my own strength. Just come and we pray. All the people you see here, most of the people you see here have made this decision. They've, it's a bold decision to make, to say, God, I'm trusting you. Thank you, my brother, you're welcome. You're welcome. Anyone else? Please come, if you're there. Jesus is calling you. He's tugging at your heart. He's saying, my son, my daughter, bring me your weaknesses. I'll give you my strength. Bring me your weaknesses, I'll give you my strength. Maybe you've tried so hard to make family life work, 
and you don't know how to do it. I tried and failed, and I brought Jesus to my weakness, and he gave me strength. Maybe it's work, I don't know, whatever it is. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? We will wait for you. It's that important. We will wait for you. Anytime you decide to come, just walk forward, and we'll pray together. At all the locations, there's a pastor standing at the front, receiving all those who want to give your lives. So just walk forward and do that. Amen. Thank you, my brothers and sisters, for coming. I'm going to pray with you. You just pray after me. And can we pray with them so they don't, they don't feel alone? Say, so Lord Jesus, thank you for today. I give you my weaknesses that you will give me your strength. I give you my life that you give me salvation. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Take my life on an adventure with you and help me change my world with it. Amen. Amen. If you pray that prayer online or wherever you are, we believe that you have come into a relationship with Jesus. Pastor Kathy, please come closer. Uh, those who are here in the house, this is Pastor Catherine. Please just follow her. Uh, over here, we would like to get your contact so that we can send you some encouragement on this journey. That same thing is happening across all the locations. And if you're online on radio, TV, the number that I would like you to call or text is 0775 if you're texting from out of the country you add plus 256 plus 256 would like to hear from you and to know that you made the decision to follow Jesus today Amen wasn't that a powerful word? Can you help me appreciate Papa Mike one more time? What a word. Hey! Amen. I'm going to invite Pastor Ryan. This is completely, sorry I didn't warn him, to come and give us a blessing, to just pray for us as, as, as we close. This is Pastor Ryan from the Vineyard Church. Would you fall on us, Holy Spirit? Would you fall on your power on this place, Lord? Your presence, your life, your redemption, your hope, your joy, your gladness. Lord, your fury against the works of wickedness. That, Lord, um, just meets that with the fury, but meets us with great love. Lord, would your love stream over this place, over every person here, over every person watching, over every person that's going to get touched this week. Lord, would you fall on this place in a magnificent way? Father, would you pour through us? Would you pour through us with your goodness and your gladness, Lord, with the manifest destiny that we all have in the kingdom of God? 
Jesus, would you just bless every leader here, Lord, Atmo, and all the way down the line, Lord. Would you bless everyone? Would you bless every apostle, every prophet, every evangelist, every teacher, every pastor, every mother, every father, Lord, everyone who owns a business, Lord, everyone who wields influence in the kingdom, Lord, would you just pour out your love? Would you pour out your power? Would you pour out your destiny? And Lord, would you just reign on this place? Lord, I thank you for what you're doing here. I thank you for the body that you're raising up. I thank you for the purpose you're raising up. I thank you for the world impact, Lord, the worship harvest that's going to be a world harvest, Father. I thank you for that, Lord, and I pray that your kingdom would come, Lord, and bless every life here. Bless every stutter, every stammer, every bad eye, every bad limb, every bad past, every trauma, every uh, demonic oppression, Lord, every limp, every gimp, Lord, everything that troubles us, would you come and would you work through it, Jesus? I pray at this place, Lord, would be a place of healing, a place of hope, of restoration, that the poor would be made rich, that the weak would may be strong, Lord, that the sick would be whole, Lord, that the broken would come together. And Jesus, would you pour out your oil of gladness on this house and distribute it to the nations. I just thank you for the portion that I've gotten here, Lord. I pray it's a double portion because, uh, Lord, we need it back where I live. I thank you for the generosity that's here. Would you give them more, Jesus? Would you give them more? Would you give them the nations? Would you give them hundreds of thousands, maybe millions? I thank you for what you're doing, Lord. And I love you and I love these people and I bless them. It's in the mighty, beautiful, and powerful name of Jesus, I pray, Father, amen. Amen, amen. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the flesh of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.